Welcome to Ballistic Radio. Join us as we discuss hard-won self-defense lessons, as well as the information you need to survive a violent encounter. Listen as armed professionals, industry experts, national champions, and gunfight survivors answer all your firearms and self-defense questions while exploring your rights and responsibilities as an armed citizen. Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Surefire, the professional's choice for suppressors and illumination tools. Surefire, America's beacon of freedom. And now, here's your host, John Johnston. Welcome to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Surefire, the professional's choice for suppressors and illumination tools. Surefire, America's beacon of freedom. I'm your host, John Johnston. Remember, you can always listen to past shows, ballisticradio.com. Get the latest behind-the-scenes info, photos, videos, arguments, other stuff at facebook.com slash ballisticradio. Co-hosting with me, Melody Lauer. Demont. Darmok and Jalad, no. when the walls fell? Demont. Demont? Demont. Did... Neither know. you nor Joe got the reference I just made. I, I like that Joe is actually shaking his head, too, because then I don't feel such like an idiot. Oh, it's okay. There there are millions of of uh, Gundam Wing. Uh, now I'm really trolling everyone. <laughs> no, I was going to make a Battlestar Galactica. Oh, wait, Star Wars. No, Star Trek. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, I'm being silly on purpose. Yeah, you, no, really? Tell me it's not so. Melody, when the reference went over her head. Hey, guess what? <laughs> this segment brought to you by Lucky Gunner and Federal Premium Ammunition. Whether there was a firefight or you do, in fact, want to worry about that little guy, you need more ammo. When it's time to restock, you can't beat Federal Premium Ammunition at LuckyGunner.com. With a shipping department that's always moving at 88 miles per hour, if I order a case of American Eagle from Lucky Gunner on a Thursday, it's at my doorstep ready to shoot before the weekend starts. Head to LuckyGunner.com today to check out their in-stock lineup of federal premium ammunition. Remember, unless you're on fire or drowning, you can never really have too much ammo. Please stop writing in and telling me all the other ways that you can have too much ammo. No, bring it. Bring it on. Hey! You can send them to me. It's a Facebook user's question episode extravaganza thingy. And I'll tell you, I like doing these, except for when I have to come up for a title. I'm running out. The, oh. la- the last one was just not, not stellar. You're was... supposed to be good at the title thing. Well, yeah, but how many Facebook user titles? I've got six years worth of Facebook you user titles. You haven't been doing Facebook user questions for six years. Don't give me that look. What would you like to bet? <laughs> I don't know. Because what they were before they were Facebook users were call-ins, and I quickly that discovered. Was me my time. Yeah, I quickly discovered that that was a mistake, and I immediately regret my decision. So you've been having user feedback, but anyway, moving on, moving on. Do we you do not go, need to argue about. Do you this. want to go first, or do you want me to go first? Um, you know, I could maybe ask you a question first, John. Okay. Oh. I want to say Dear John before every question, just so it's like a breakup letter, but... No, it would be like, it would be more like Dear Abby, and so what you should do is be like, Dear JJRG. Oh, Dear AJ, AJ, <laughs> Dear JJRG. No. Uh, this is from Tactical Memes. Uh, what... uh, no, 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 I don't care what question you're going to ask, skip over. We, no, we know, this is, a, this is a light question, you are a light nerd, come on. Oh, God. 
Let let me ask the question. What really? should people do with their 320 lumen Surefire G2X mounts on their rifles since 320 lumens is not enough? See, that was a good question. <sighs> no, that is a good question. I just, anyway, tactical memes. We know him. He's yeah, I do him. know him. Anyway, um, 320 lumens. Look, if you've got one of those lights and, and you're happy with it and you've got limited resources, um, there's no reason to upgrade, right? There's no reason to upgrade if you are on a limited budget. And, like, that was that was the best you could do and it's the best you can do, right? Uh, if it's doing everything that, that you needed to do, then stick with that. However, comma. There are a lot of things that a larger, higher, greater output will allow you to do. Um, and I think upgrading is worthwhile. So when we start talking about like the, you know, he's talking about a carbine light, right? So I'm not talking about, usually when I start thinking about carbine lights, I'm thinking about armed uh, law enforcement, armed professionals, armed military. If you're using one for home defense, that's cool. And I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm. You know, I'm talking to you too, but the the greater output allows you to do some different things as far as having muzzle averted but still having light pushed downrange, allows you to overcome some photonic barriers that you wouldn't otherwise be able to overcome, um, just really allows for greater situational awareness when you're moving inside of a structure. Um, there, there's all sorts of advantages to having more. I've yet to find the situation where I've gone, man, I've got too much light. And I know everyone talks about, well, I used a I I used a, a candle once and I held it up against a white mirrored wall finished thing and I stared at it for five minutes and then afterwards I was blinded. And it's like Okie dokie. Uh and honestly what this is like is a race car driver um, saying my car is too fast, when in reality they just don't know how to drive the car. Uh, and if you put somebody that just got their learner's permit and put them in an F1 formula car, or even someone that knows what they're doing in like, you know, I don't know, a WRX or something, you put them in an F1 car and say, go fast around the track, yeah, they might do some things that anyone that actually knows how to drive an F1 car will go, What? Um, but that doesn't mean that the people that race professionally, well, we're going to detune your motors because other people don't know how to drive. That, that's it's ridiculous. Um, so can there be too many lumens? Yeah, I guess if you don't know what you're doing and you do goofy things, there could be. Uh, but that's uh, not something I'm worried about. I want as many as you can give me. And until we replicate the sun, uh, we're we're not at enough. So... How was that? Was that a good answer? Oh, I think that was a good, good, good answer. Okay. Here, here's an interesting question from Hiram Grissom. Uh, for you, Melody, and oh. then maybe I'll talk about it. Where do we draw the line in our community between holding people accountable and eating our own? And there were implied bunny ears around community and eating our own. So imagine I did both those things. Well, you kind of just did. I did after the fact. So I think we draw the line in the way that we, I guess, establish restitution. And this is a big thing in our personal interactions with people as well. Uh, there is, in humanity, 
a tendency to once someone has screwed up, we are done with them and we are done with them forever. Uh, there is no there is no path to redemption, as it were. And I think it is extremely important that we hold people accountable when they make mistakes, while at the same time laying down a path of restitution. If now if they do something completely not able to be restored. If I kill you, John, I can't restore you to life. There is no restitution for that. There is no path to restitution for bringing you back. But um, if, however, I were, you know, I put a video out there where maybe I said something that I shouldn't have said. Maybe I, I, I called something by the wrong term, or maybe I advocated for a technique that is now no longer valid, or maybe I um, well, that's just like your opinion, man. Anyway, yeah, or maybe I did something uh, unsafe. And once it was pointed out to me, uh, there's a group of people who go, you know what, now that this mistake has been made, this person is now forever on my naughty list, and they will never, ever, ever get off. And there's this, there's this beating down, there's this undermining, there is a, let's rip them to shreds and throw them in the trash. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that type of handling of anybody, uh, whether they, you know, uh, I am a, okay, I've pointed out this, this error to you. Here is what you can do to better yourself, whether that's going and taking a class, whether that is shoring up your, your safety practices, whether that's, hey, go read this article. And once you have been willing to accept and do those things, you know what? We're cool. I can I can get back on board with you. Where it would get to the point where I say, you know what? Obviously, and there are people in, in the and I'm going to put bunny rears around here, the industry who get that criticism. And go no, 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 no. What I'm doing is fine. Okay, yeah. Then we can write those people off because they're clearly not willing to learn and adapt and and better themselves for the sake of the community and the world. But if they are willing to listen, I think that there should be a path of restitution that allows the community at large to go, you know what, they've learned their lesson, let's take them back in. Well, I think that a lot of our society these days is um, is very hypocritical in the sense of I will throw someone under the bus for this, but if someone that I agree with or – look up to or whatever, does the same exact thing, then you'll start making excuses. And, yes. Um, and then anyone who is not with me is against me and stuff like that. Um, but we've, uh, we've got to go to break. But when we get back, Melody's going to ask me a, uh, a question from Draugr Wittemeyer, uh, both parts of the question, because I actually think this is going to be interesting. But right now you're listening to... Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Surefire, the professional choice for suppressors and illumination tools. Surefire America's beacon of freedom. This segment brought to you by Wilson Combat. Wilson Combat, makers of the finest custom 1911s and scatterguns since 1977, a legacy of quality, innovation, and service. Learn more about their firearms and accessories, as well as the new EDCX9 which offers discriminating shooters 1911 match grade accuracy, superior ergonomics, and concealability with modern service pistol capacity and reliability at www.wilsoncombat.com. So we're answering your questions. It's a Facebook user question extravaganza. I'm really glad you pronounced that name because I'm like, so that way if we pronounced it wrong, it's your fault. Well, it's not his actual name. Well, I, 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 okay, moving on. 
So the question was, there's two part question. One was, what are, do you want me to read them both? Yeah, or, read, okay, all right. So the first, the fact he's answering, asking number one, is going to play into how I answer number two. Okay, all right. Uh, what are your thoughts on backup guns, specifically for law enforcement, uh, but in general, the pros and cons of carrying a second gun? And two. I often hear you, John and Melody, extol the virtues of OC spray. Can you point me toward the class, if any, that persuaded you to that way of thinking and perhaps expand on it? I'm not a fan myself, but I don't know what I don't know. And thank you so much for adding that because that is oh, that's he, awesome. he's legit. He's, he's one of legit. my. He's one of my. It takes a lot for me to 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 go from the okay, I'm interacting with you on the business page to. Okay, let's be actual friends. Um, friends. Yeah, friends. Okay, answer the question. I'm yeah. curious what your thoughts are. Uh, first, as far as backup guns go, if you're uniformed, uh, if you're a cop, if you're in a profession where gunfighting is uh, one of your potential job duty requirement things, um, you are likely to see engagements that may require a backup gun. So if if you're if you know if if I start copping tomorrow, you better believe I will have a backup gun. Um, I know of too many instances where it was the difference between somebody going home and somebody not going home. Um, so yeah, I I I think that for for cops, definitely a thing. As far as for private citizens, um, I've carried backup guns before. Uh, I'm not right now. I'm not saying you're wrong if you do it. If you can do it without compromising concealment or anything else and you're not giving up anything else that's important to do it, that's cool. It's not a hill that I'm willing to die on, though, or say if you're not doing it, you're wrong. Now, to answer the OC spray question, and I think this is the part that some people miss out on. Um, Once again, not a cop, uh, not... You know, I have thoughts on this, but I know a lot of cops that don't dig it because of secondary exposure and they have to end up fighting the guy anyway. Uh, One of the dudes that I respect the most inside of the community that's been a huge mentor of mine and influence on me, uh, Chuck Haggard, who's a police officer for about as long as I've been alive, huge fan of OC. Um, His class on it was sort of what changed my, my thoughts, but here's what he's missing out on. He's not a fan of it in his context because he's got to close with and arrest these people and needs to, you know, uh, he he's likely to be exposed to it. The reason I'm a fan of it is because I absolutely do not want to go hands-on with someone, period, full stop, um, whatever. And I also want to de-escalate situations. If they get away after I paint them orange, I don't care at all. And I can OC spray somebody way sooner then I can shoot them, and if I O spray, if I O spray, if I O see them early, if I spray them early, uh, and not early in, it's not legal for me to do so. But early in the counter, in the encounter, it may shortcut um, past that I need to shoot them, and that's of huge value to me. And that's what I see it as, especially in the civilian context, which I am primarily, you know, concerned with, and and. By civilian, I mean private citizen, you know, private citizen carrying a gun concealed. Um, anything I can use to get out of a gunfight or a shooting, I'm a, I'm a be pretty interested in that, you know. 
Well, as far as backup guns are concerned, I think if you feel like your risk profile um, should have one, you know, should would warrant one, I'm not going to tell you no. I'm not going to tell you that you're over-preparing yourself. I have occasionally carried a backup gun. I have most of the time I do not, however. Um, and it, the other thing, too, is if, it, if you can make you, you know, comfortable uh, and you can do it reliably, well, then you know, knock yourself out. Go for it. Uh, if not, um, I will say one thing, though. The, um, <laughs> the one time I went to do a, a force-on-force thing and I had two guns, the instructor was like, oh, good, two chances to disarm you instead of one. And that got me thinking about that. Mm-hmm. You know, you do have to then start preparing for protecting and defending and um, maintaining those two firearms, maintaining control of those two firearms, not just one. Um, so uh, moving on to the second question, I think the the class that really made OC really, really relevant to me was Extreme Close Quarters Concepts with Craig Douglas. Because when we think of scenarios as civilians, as private citizens, we tend to think of them in very black and white terms. You know, someone coming at us with the knife saying, I'm going to kill you. Well, there's no ambiguity there. Like, we know it's legally justified. We've got it. You know, there's this very, very simple scenario where we're like, yes, absolutely, we can shoot this person here. But when we start seeing the reality of what self-defense situations, legitimate self-defense situations tend to be, they tend to be very ambiguous. You know, someone coming and asking you for help and then turning the tables and now you're, you've are you got a gun in your face. Or someone coming up to you and maybe asking you for some money and then starting to ramp up the escalation and it starts out very innocuous and you're just like, no, 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 no. And it just keeps getting and building from there. And when we start to see these ambiguous situations and how much sooner, as John was saying, that you can use pepper spray before you have to get to the point where can I or is a gun justifiable here? It's not, but I'm really not liking where this is going. I think OC really does. uh, And you learn that through things like ECQC where you have that element of ambiguity. Right. Um. I think we're I think we're about at the end of the segment. So we Oh, we've got three minutes. <laughs> well, I I'm behind Your time management yeah. skills there, John. Well, so here, I'll let you guys peek behind the curtain. Joe messages me and I I forgot to acknowledge that I saw his message, so I was reading the wrong time. Oh. Oh. So I, I do have a question though, ready to go. It's right here on the tip of my tongue. Um, and we'll probably have to go into the next segment for this one too, but, uh, Jacob Gregg, uh, what are your preferred sights on your particular carry pistol? And this is interesting because you and I have been going back and forth on this. The look you just gave me was like, yes, Melody, what are your preferred sights on a pistol? Uh, right now I am running a red dot and, uh, it's not particularly been something that I ever looked to do. I was not like, I'm going to go and get a red dot, but it was more of an experiment um, that red dot has stayed on your pistol a lot longer than I expected. It really? To. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Okay, I'm surprised that uh, anyway, but, um, I actually, there's been an evolution. I used to be a really big fan of, uh, night sights. There's something I really, really liked about having, especially at night, you know, seeing those night sights and, and feeling a little bit more 
comfortable with those. But then I realized, and it was pointed out to me, that you're not going to do a shooting in 100% darkness. I mean, that's that's not something that very well is 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 likely to happen. And no, we could tangentialize we into could. transitional lighting, and we when could. your sights and, and are not lit, but I'm the not, Yeah, I'm not saying that there isn't a utility for them. I'm I'm absolutely saying that there is, but. But as far as the necessity of them, there is a utility for them, but that is a far cry from necessity. And um, I really became a big fan of just a standard high-vis front sight and a black just standard rear. Uh, I really like the fiber optics for that that visibility factor. And um, that was when I was running for a long time before trying out the dot. And what I got to say, I'm... Well, I'm still working on it. I'm loving the dot, especially for distance accuracy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to talk about that a little bit more, but we have to go to break. So we'll continue that line of thought when we get back. You're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Surefire, the professional's choice for suppressors and illumination tool of Surefire America's beacon of freedom. This segment... Also brought to you by Surefire. Know your target and what is beyond it. But how can you really know your target? By shining a really bright light at it, and that's where Surefire comes in. From the new 1200 lumen EDCL 2T handheld or 500 lumen EDCL 1T handheld to the 1000 lumen XH35 or the brand new upgraded, updated with 1000 lumens X300 fits in all your old duty holsters. Surefire can make sure you never have to yell Aziz Light ever again. Surefire, the professional choice for suppressors and illumination tools. Remember, if you listen to Ballistic Radio, 20% off everything at the Surefire.com web store except batteries and suppressors by entering the discount code Aziz Light, A-Z-I-Z-L-I-G-H-T. So, before the break, I asked you about preferred sights on your carry gun, um, and we sort of got into that. Here's something that I think a lot of people sort of lose sight of. Uh, what sights are going to work well for you is really going to depend on what kind of shooting you do. And what I mean by that, if you are a hard front sight focused sort of guy or gal, um, it might change your answer a little bit compared to if you're a target or threat focused uh, type of shooter. And, you know, the visibility of the sights. I know a lot of guys that shoot black iron sights and love them. Uh, and in talking with them, they are generally uh, like a hard front sight focus. You know, when when I was still running irons, uh, I wanted a visible front sight, either a big uh, orange, you know, um, night sight with a blacked out rear uh, or a fiber optic front with a blacked out rear because I'm I've always been a a target focused shooter and I just I need the visual awareness of the site but I'm not necessarily looking at it super closely so it really depends on a lot of different things and you as a shooter I don't know that there's really a right answer there are some wrong answers um, you know but I don't know that there's a right answer do you like that well so and I was kind of thinking about this while we were taking the break. And that was, um, you know, there are people who take sites that are, quote unquote, the wrong sites and do amazing things with them uh, and can hit targets that, you know, I I would be like, I don't know how you hit it with sites like that. 
But um, and there are different preferences. Like I, for instance, really like a thin front sight for accuracy at distance. If I've got irons, there are other people who are like, no, absolutely not. I like that thick front sight because you have less wiggle room between the in the rear sight notch. So sights are kind of like underwear too, where, you know, you pick what you pick for the reasons that you pick it. And here's the fantastic thing though. You get to change them and you get to try other things as long as you don't get too Uh, religious, uh, should I say, about like, this is the sighting system that is perfect and there is no other sighting system of that. If you're applying the fundamentals and you're using the sites the way that the sites need to be used, given your target, you're probably going to be okay. There are going to be certain sighting systems that give you advantages in different circumstances uh, and at different skill levels. And you might find that you evolve through different sighting systems throughout your shooting and your, you know, your training uh, lifetime. And that's okay. Assuming that you're allowed to change your sights. I know there are some people that are issued guns. And yeah, like, and that, and that's and that sucks. That really sucks. It does. But you know what? You got to make it work. Yep. So it is your turn to ask me a question. Oh, oh it is. I yep. saw you sitting there like, okay, I'm what's like, next? Yeah, I'm comfortable and I'm going to sit here and just, yep, okay. Um, this is an interesting one by Zach Smith. When searching for and vetting local to you instructors and possible mentors, what are your search criteria? Are you looking at certifications, actual experience, or any combination of the criteria? Does personal experience of said instructor matter as long as what's being taught is legitimate information and not just regurgitated from someone else? I... So it's hard for me to answer that question because by the time I started paying attention to local instructors, I'd already kind of had a depth of knowledge that allowed me to go, nah, fam, that ain't right. Or, yeah, that's 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 good stuff. Um, the issue is if you're new and you're starting out, uh, you don't – you know, there's really no good way to tell. There are certain, like, guidelines, but even those you might not know if if you've never been – exposed to this stuff before it might be completely reasonable to you that oh we're gonna unload our guns and point them at each other that sounds reasonable well if you don't know how like wrong messed up no don't do that that is like so and and the other issue too is like well what's that leave you with some people start looking at backgrounds the problem with that is backgrounds are either faked that happens a lot or they really actually have no bearing uh on on anything at all. Um, or they're in a different context. Yeah. Or, you know, someone's background has very little to do with their ability to teach, number one, or whether or not they're teaching good information. And frankly, and I'm here, I'll say this on air. I don't care. <laughs> My field is barren. Um, most of the worst instructors that I've ever seen, like the, the bad ones, um, the really bad ones, and I'm not necessarily talking about the national level, but definitely on the regional level. We're either ex-military or ex-law enforcement. Um, they, you know, the information that they had was very contextually inappropriate, uh, number one. Number two was based off of institutional inertia, lowest common denominator training, Um you know, and that's not to say that there aren't amazing military or law enforcement instructors. The only reason I bring that up is because I'd, I'd love to be able to say, well, find a find a retired cop or find a military guy or find a, you know, a GWAT dude that's back 
uh, and go train with him. They'll have good stuff. I don't know. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. So, I mean, I think, honestly, if I had to pick a measure of I feel reasonably confident that this person is going to say stuff that um, I agree with, uh, I think range master instructors are probably the the best regional instructor pool you can find um, out of any any larger group. I think Tom has done an incredible job of of getting people to a um, a pretty good base level. Uh, I'm trying to. I've run into random range master alumni and talked with them and I didn't agree with everything they said. And there were a couple of things where I'm like, but for the most part, I wouldn't feel bad about sending someone to, to one of them. Um, you know, I think if somebody's taken the time to get like a, a mag 20, uh, you know, or, or deadly force instructor cert, um, that that's not bad. Uh, I think Carl Wren's suggestion that, you know, look at, how are they ranked? Um, you know, if they've got like a master rating in IDPA or USPSA, um, it doesn't necessarily mean that their information for deadly force is going to be good, but they at least know how to run a pistol a little bit. Um, and I, I'm just trying to stack the deck in, in my favor. It might be good. It might not be good. But, you know, I I will bet money on if the only thing I know about someone is this person is an unknown shooter wise shooting level wise versus this person's worked hard enough to receive a relatively high ranking in a competitive arena. I'll pick the competitor um, just because, and I could be wrong, but I'm just, I'm just trying to look for information that will uh, maybe hopefully get, get us somewhere better. What do you? Well, so Here's kind of – I've dealt with a lot more local instructors than I think you have, John. I mean that was yeah. kind of my hobby uh, yeah. when I moved to Iowa is I went around and vetted all the local firearms instructors. And I'm um, just like, oh. One of the things that I found really interesting is, one, you have to know what you want to learn. Mm-hmm. So if I want to learn about concealed carry and I take a class from a law enforcement officer, um, honestly, you're probably not going to get and, – and that's his only context – um, you're probably not going to get as much relevant information as you think you're going to get. Um, so, uh, or like a comp- comp- <laughs> competitive shooter, like John was talking about. Um, I knew a local instructor who was a, who was a decently ranked um, USPSA shooter who taught all of her students that they should not carry rounds in the chamber. <laughs> you know, so things like that. So, ask about. What they're, you know, what they're teaching, be very specific and and try and make sure that they are actually living what you want to learn. That would be that would be my, you know, don't be afraid to ask those questions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We're answering your questions. It's a Facebook user question extravaganza. You're listening to extravaganza. I don't know. You're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Surefire, the professional's choice for suppressors and illumination tools. Surefire America's beacon of freedom. So we're answering your questions. It is a Facebook user question extravaganza. So it's my turn to ask you a question, and like like a like a like a wrecking ball, 
I haven't picked a... Don't know. I don't came in me. like a wreck. No. Don't give me that image, please. I've seen that music video. Just don't. I think, hey, I've uh, lost weight. I'd look mm, way better in that outfit than oh, I would have. Oh. Did you just womp? I womp womp. Continue. Mm. Here, from Matthew Fisher. Bullets do weird things. What's the weirdest thing you've seen a bullet do? Oh. I was going to ask I, you that I know, question. I, I know, but I'm curious to get your answer. <laughs> What is the weirdest thing I've seen a bullet do? Um, I saw this was this was a really really big surprise to me. My um, my brother and I were shooting tracer rounds. I'd never shot tracer rounds before, and um, not at anything flammable. I hope. No, no, it was really wet. We were we were shooting them into a swamp, like, and it had just rained, so like. We knew that there wasn't going to anything. Not an indoor range, because many an indoor range is. No, I'm not I, saying I, that. I'm I'm just tangentializing for people that are listening. Yeah, they're not. If you run across, yeah, well, they might not know. Uh, <laughs> and if you shoot tracer rounds into a, yeah, you'll burn the range down. Yeah, That's happened do a lot. Um, well, anyways, and we shot an incendiary round, which was hilarious. But we shot into a puddle. But eh, that's tangential. Um, so. We shot this round into a tree stump. So it was a tree stump, which which should have absolutely absorbed everything that the, the bullet had. Huh. Um, well, one of the pieces of the jacket jacket sheared off, and you could see it because there was still you know phosphorus burning on it. It ricocheted back over our head, over the house that we were shooting behind, across the road, and halfway through a two hundred yard field Mm -hmm. so the the ricochet of the jacket alone could have easily been potentially fatal if it hit someone just right just right and seeing that i was like holy and it just kind of reinforced to me that bullets and their fragments i mean forget about the bullet itself the bullet itself will do damaging things but fragments of the bullets can do extremely 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 amount or extreme amounts of damage themselves so that's why eye protection you know all that kind of stuff don't don't discount that just because oh, i'm shooting outdoors or i'm shooting at great distances that that stuff can come back well so i've been yeah um and what's funny to me and this is sort of tangential but you know there's there's been like this huge back and forth about you know if you do reloads not pointed at the berm and and stuff like that, and and I get it. I completely get it. I get why that's a big deal. I get why people are talking about it now, and that's awesome. What's funny, though, is the same people that make a big deal about that, and I bring up, okay, cool, what's the surface danger zone on the rounds that you're firing at your range? And they go, what? The what? Yeah, and I go, the surface danger, the SDZ, you know, the, the stuff that uh, – there's been all this government research on on if you're shooting certain calibers at certain ranges and the certain mediums or whatever the round can go. Tell me about that. And, and and I think that I think that people have this idea um, about what rounds are doing and not doing. That's just not whatever. Uh, my Probably the weirdest thing I ever saw a handgun round do is I got hit in the chest with a uh, forty-five that I was shooting at paper um, into... Uh, I have not heard the story. Do tell. Go uh, on, John. I, yeah. Well, what's funny is I was shooting into just a packed dirt berm, um, yeah, paper target, like seven, ten yards, somewhere in there. And I, and it, was, it was funny because it was the first round, 
Uh, I fire the round, it's in the A zone, and I feel something hit me in the chest really hard, and I'm like, oh, dear God, I've just shot myself. I'm not quite sure how, but this is this is a big deal. And I look, and I'm, like, doing, like, blood pats, and I'm like, I'm fine. There's no holes. And I look down, and there's this 230-grain hardball, 45, looks perfect, just sitting on the ground. And I'm like, I mean, and this thing barely bruised. Um, Did but, you bend the bullet? No. What's funny, though is we went full wanting yeah, yeah i know right what's funny though is in the target i've only fired one round well now there's two bullet holes hmm. and it had hit it had hit something in the berm and just ricocheted back yeah done this weird like turn um and like one of them was sort of misshapen a little bit so that okay obviously that's the one where uh but like that made an impression uh a friend of ours morgan atwood just uh you know, got hit in the mouth with a, a round uh, that bounced off of steel. They were, I mean, stuff happens. It's funny. I mean, we can make this, we can mitigate risk when we're doing this, but it's not a, it's not a zero sum, like, oh, you're 100% safe. Yeah, no. It's, you know, bullets do funny things. Anyway. Okay. This one is from Joseph Young. From the pictures you've been posting, John, I see that you are working out more and also appear to be losing weight. Would you care to share what methods you are using and what was your motivating factor for change? Um, and which, by the way, congratulations, you have lost a lot of weight. That's You should be very proud of yourself. I'm working on it. So the... Um, the, the thing that I have been doing is mainly a... And I hate to talk about it because it's kind of like, you know, how do you know someone's a cross-fitting vegan atheist? Well, don't worry. They'll tell you. <laughs> um, low carb is kind of that same way, right? So I've been doing uh, – I was doing a pretty strict, like, keto uh, at the beginning, and now I'm just doing sort of a lower carb um, thing. But the, the most useful thing for me was actually I downloaded a um, a calorie tracking app called Lose It. Uh, that sets a daily budget for me and and does other stuff. And this is an unpaid endorsement, but, like, I've had a lot of success with it, right? And actually just tracking my food and knowing how much, well, here's how much you should eat for someone your size that wants to lose weight. Uh, and then I've been working out quite a bit, but just holding myself accountable. As far as the motivation goes, um, huh. There, there's been a couple of different things that are all sort of concurrent with one another. Um, one of them, I didn't want to die a fat guy. Um, and I know that sounds like very simple, but it's like uh, I've been considering my own and everyone else's mortality a little bit more recently. And it occurred to me that I'd like to make it easier on my friends so that I don't need extra pallbearers to get me into the ground. And that's about the level I was at, right? <laughs> Um, so hopefully I can maintain this for a while. Uh, but the other thing too was, um, I'm considering a career, if not change branching out into, uh, where my level of physical fitness could have direct impact on other coworkers of mine. And I didn't want to be the dude that showed up to help. Uh, and people were like, oh, he, wait, he might have a heart attack while he's trying to come and quote unquote help us. Yeah, it's like you know, you never want to be the guy that shows up that uh, people are like, "Oh, I wish someone else had showed up." Um, so that was kind of it, and just in general, um, you know, I needed to do something, so I I did something, and it was kind of I actually kind of could tell this time was a little bit different, only because 
I didn't really talk about it until after it had happened a lot. So there were no like big, long, inspirational Instagram like um, how the the first four months of my workouts didn't count because I didn't I didn't post it on Instagram. <laughs> right. You know, Jim doesn't count if you don't post it on Instagram. So I don't know if that answered or not. We got about two minutes left in the show. I don't know if there's a quick question we can get to or not. Well, um, while he's looking for one, tracking calories, uh, actually tracking them seems to be, from the people I've known who've lost significant amounts of weight, so it seems to be the ticket item. Yeah. Um, well, here. No matter uh, what diet you choose. It's isn't really a question from anyone, but I'm curious. Is there anything you're excited about or looking forward to in the next six months? Oh. Um, I don't know. Why, you, you're looking at me knowingly. I've been talking a lot about going on a specific try and like push for skill um but i know it's going to take a level of work and an effort that um is going to be sort of herculean and i'm trying to decide whether or not i want to actually and on one hand it's exciting me on the other hand it's totally terrifying me so i'm i'm back and forth there what about you john oh nothing (laughs) nothing at all wow i mean my beard might grow back. I shaved that off or off-ish. It's probably grown back a little bit by the time this show airs. So. What? You, you did something to your face? I can't tell the difference. Oh, yeah. Not at all. Anyway, hey, that's the end of the show. Uh, make sure you check out our website, BlitzGradio.com. Like our Facebook page at Facebook.com. Radio. And, hey, keep leaving those five-star review on iTunes. We really appreciate it. It helps us out. Thanks for listening, everyone. Love you. Be safe. Be safe. Be safe. Be safe. Be safe.